want you to get your Bible. We're going to be looking all the way to the back of the book. I can't tell you exactly what page it is, but it's in the book of Revelation. And so uh, y'all need to turn to Revelation with me this morning. We're going to be looking at passages there here in just a few minutes. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 21. We're going to be looking there starting in verse 3. Well, today we're going to be talking about a, a phrase that sounds good to me, and that is the phrase, no more. No more. You know, um, I think all little boys like to wrestle. It's just, it's just a part of our DNA. I've noticed, you know, I, I try not to talk about my grandkids, but I, I really do love them. And if I'd talk about yours if they were mine. But, uh, but I don't know them like I know mine. But I'll tell you, that little, that little JB, 16 months old now, he loves to wrestle. He loves to fight. He loves to play rough. And his favorite thing with me, and it may be different for, for the rest of the family, but his favorite thing with me is he loves for me to lift him up over my head and his belly goes right on top of my head and then his hands just hit me on the back of my head and I'll just bounce him on my head like that and he laughs. He just thinks that's the most awesome thing. And then he loves to go to the ground and just wrestle and fight and bounce and kick and faunch and that's just what boys do. How many of you boys, that's how you grew up? That's that's what boys do, mama. That's what boys do. That's why their church pants always get tore up and they have grass stains and that's why their hair is all after you comb it's always all messed up. Because they're gonna find a way between the parking lot and the sanctuary, they're gonna find a way to tear up and scuff a shoe or or bust a bust something or do something because that's what we do. I remember when I was a little boy Man, that, that, that was the majority of what our life consisted of. We just, and I'm sure it's still the same way today, but we just played rough. You know, the way we played when I was a kid to get you thrown in jail today and maybe get you put in another country. But when I was a little kid, we just, we just played rough. I mean, I can't even tell you some of the names of the games we played because even they were politically incorrect. And, and so, uh, you know, it was nothing that the high school I went to, everybody had a gun at school. I mean, they, 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 were, they were in the, in the truck, they were in the rack, the gun rack of their truck, and they had their pocket knife in their pocket. Somebody say amen. And, uh, and they could go on trips to visit grandma with a pocket knife in their pocket. The days were different back then. And uh, pocket knives got used for a lot of things besides whittling. They got used for a lot of terroristic threatening back in those days, but but we didn't know that's what it was. We'd say, "I'll cut your ears off with this pocket knife." We didn't know that was terroristic threatening, but uh, you know that that's just the the world that I grew up in. It was uh, you always going, you know, boys were always wrestling and fighting and and rolling around, and it, 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 we played rough games like King of the Mountain. And that was at church. I mean, there was, there was a rail around the, there was a rail around the church that was higher than this stage to the ground. And it was about, oh, about six or eight inches wide. And it went all the way around the building. And us boys would get up on there and we'd take turns and we'd grab each other. And you win if you could throw the other guy off. And, and so kids were getting thrown off of that ledge all the time. And, and, uh, they was learning not to cry when they hit the ground. The first few times you did, it was kind of rough and it was a long way down when you was little. But uh, mom, I'd come into the sanctuary and mom would say, oh, my Lord, what have you been doing? And, of course, I hated she'd get that hanky out and she'd, she'd lick that hanky and she'd start washing my face. And she'd try to find that brill cream in her purse and she'd get that all up in my hair and get that combed. She'd say, Lord, look at those new pants. You've already torn them and there's grass stains all over them. Don't you know we're at church? I'd say, yeah, I love church. I mean, what would Jesus do? This is what he would do if he, 
if he were at church today. And it was just fun among friends. It, it was roughhousing. We weren't enemies. We were buddies. It was just life the way we understood it. But even in our place, somebody was constantly getting run over. Somebody was getting knocked down. Somebody was getting socked in the nose. And, uh, man, I tell you, we lived with, with, uh, with bloody noses and, and, uh, teeth that were jagged and, and all kinds of fun things like that. Bruises and cuts were daily occurrences. They were just a necessary part of life and how we were becoming men. There was a common phrase that every boy needed in his arsenal of both good and bad language. Now, I don't have to explain what good and bad language are. I'm not just talking about your inside and outside voice. Your good language is the language you could use around your mom and church folks, and the bad language is what you used around everybody else. You know what I'm talking about. But every boy had to have these words in his arsenal if he were going to survive, and that were the words calf rope. You had to be able to holler calf rope. Because as soon as you got pinned and bested, you could hear it on the playground. Holler calf rope! Holler calf rope! Because until you hollered calf rope, you weren't getting up. Does that make sense? Somebody was so constantly on the playground. Some of y'all looking at me weird like, man, we didn't get to do that on our playground. Well, things were a little different, I guess, back then. But our recesses consisted of fights and wrestling matches all over the playground. And they a new one did not ensue until the old one was over. The group would gather. And when somebody, under the grunts and the scuffles, eventually you would hear somebody holler, calf rope. And then, then that guy would get up and let him up. And then the next match could start somewhere else on the playground. But if you didn't holler calf rope, you're in bad trouble. If you didn't holler calf rope, it must mean one of two things. Either you don't think you're whipped or you just don't know the words. But you learned them mighty fast because after a while it wasn't any fun to stay pinned on the ground with your shoulders pinned and somebody on top of you. And by now they're slapping you in the face and they're, you know, they're spitting on you and all kinds. And you say, that's terrible. That's what boys do, guys. You might as well get used to it. That's what we do. And they're whacking them on the face and hollering, say calf rope, say calf rope. I'm not letting you up till you say calf rope. It was a violent generation. But that's just how we live. Constantly someone was yelling that, and I find myself these days, seems like more than ever before, feeling the need to yell calf rope. It's not today because somebody's holding me down. It's not my sisters beating me up or the other boys on the playground, but it seems like now that the weights and the cares and just the circumstances of life in general cause me from time to time to just want to yell calf rope. Let me up. I'm done. Anybody else feel like that ever in your life? Is it just me? There's a few of you in this room that are saying, I get it, I get it. It seems like you get one situation in control and you have it pinned and six more pop up somewhere to sabotage your safety and your security. Sometimes you would gladly yell calf rope for it just to be over. But we understand something that the devil doesn't play fair. And even if you yelled calf rope, he wouldn't quit pinning you if he could. He just doesn't care that you're down. He gloats in the fact that you're pinned. 
He loves the fact that you're hurting. And he wants to hear you concede victory. But it wouldn't mean anything if you did. He's not going to let up the attack in any way. You say, this sounds kind of depressing. Some of you get it. Some of you walked in here today and you're walking in on the best day of your life. Maybe you got it and you said, this is the best day of my life. But a lot of people walked in here today and it was hard to do. They came into this room saying, God, I don't feel like getting up and getting ready. I don't feel like sacrificing praise today. I don't feel like getting up and going through the motions. I want to just lay here. I'm going to tell you something. You know you're in a bad spot when all you want to do when you wake up is keep laying there. Hmm? When you start wishing days away. You start wishing life away. When you start wishing seasons away. You've reached a place that God does not intend for you to stay. But the devil's got you right where he wants you. And laying on your back, you can holler calf rope all day long. And every time you yell it, he don't get up. He just pushes down a little tighter. So what are we going to do? Sometimes you find yourself saying things like, I just can't take it anymore. And as wonderful and beautiful as this life can be, it can easily be as brutal and unrelenting too. You're going to find yourself needing to holler calf rope about something about every day. I found a passage of scripture that's been a source of comfort to me for a long time. And it constantly reminds the believer that this is not home. There's something better coming. The passage, it says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. And a lot of times a preacher will say it and we're all clapping cheer. It gives us such hope. I've added something to it. Although I'm not really because I don't want my name taken out and all that kind of stuff. I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. And it's a good thing because I'm going to have to, it appears. But I can because God is with me. Hmm. Today, I'm going to point you to a passage of scripture that I've been thinking on this week, and I know it's going to bring comfort and peace the way it always does to me. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Now, I want you to, to be on your very best hearing behavior that you can today. Whether I bore you to tears or not, on a weekly basis, I hope today you'll stay awake. Because if you don't need this word, you're going to need it. Maybe tomorrow or the next day or next week, next month. You're going to need it. Revelation 21 verse 3. I heard a loud voice shout from the throne. God's home is now with his people. and He will live with them and they will be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people and he'll wipe all tears from their eyes and there'll be no more death or suffering or crying or pain. These things of the past are gone forever. And then the one sitting on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Somebody say amen. Everything new. Write down what I've said. My words are true and can be trusted. I'm excited today to point out several things to you about these verses. The first thing I want you to understand about this before I get into the points is this. 
The very first thing you need to understand is this is a promise from God to his people. Now, let, I'm going to let that sit there for a minute. I heard a loud voice from the throne. God's home is now with his people. He's going to live with them. They'll be his own, make his home among them, wipe all their tears. All that, all of that that I read to you is not just the words of a history book for Jewish people. That is the promise of God to his kids. Somebody say amen. So this is your promise, first of all. Second thing I want you to understand is this. God is so excited for you to have this information that he's having his messenger yell it loudly. It says it right there. With a loud voice, he said, shout it with a loud voice. I'm so excited about this promise that I'm making to my people that I want you to convey it with your outdoor voice. Somebody know what your outdoor voice is? You don't have to convey this in with your indoor voice. God said, when you tell them about how I'm going to make everything all right, make sure you use your outside voice. Because I'm excited about it, the father said. And thirdly, he reminds us that all these words that we're about to talk about are true and can be trusted. Very few things in life can you so to speak, take to the bank. Even the people that you trust the most will from time to time let you down. But when God gives you a promise, you can take it all the way through life to the grave to eternity. It is the truth. God said, this is my promise. I'm excited about giving it to you. And it is true and can be trusted. What, God? What? This is exciting. What? Then he goes on and he gives us a word. Someday. 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 Someday God will make his home right in our midst. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you'd have got up this morning. In the Jesus neighborhood. The gated community of God the guardian. You got up this morning with your windows open and your doors unlocked and they'd been that way all night long. God will make his home right in our midst and we will be his own precious possessions which he will love, guard, and care for. I love the idea of myself belonging to God because everything that belongs to me, and I, you know, it's not a lot, everything I have belongs to him. But the things he has entrusted to me, I try to guard them, don't you? I got the lawnmower in the shed and I got the door locked. I'm trying to take care of the things that the Lord has given me, entrusted me to work with. So I got them in the shed and I got them locked up. I got the padlock on. You know what I'm talking about? about how about the idea of God the Father the creator of all things saying that you are his prized possession and better nobody try to mess with you break you hurt you steal you because he's not putting up with it I like this and now because he's the one that's caring for us, there's not going to be any more situations where you find yourself saying, I just can't take this anymore. And you'll never find yourself pinned yelling the words calf rope. 
because you never think that way anymore. Satan and his gang are gone forever. And there's more. There's so much more good news. Someday when God lives with us, these things are going to be true. And I want you to write them down. Number one, God said, this is what he's promising. This is what he's yelling about. This is what he's saying is trusted and can be true. These statements I'm about to get you. He says, the first thing one of these days is there will be no more bad news. I, I saw a lady yesterday talking about how that her husband was in Benghazi when the compound was attacked. And knowing what was going on, that the compact, with, that they were trying to overrun the compact and that there was fighting going on, or her husband being one of the people there that was, that was uh, ex-military and he was there defending the compound knowing that people were dying, when her phone started ringing, she said she didn't answer it the first ring. She was afraid to. Sometimes we just dread getting news because it seems like it's all bad. Sometimes I refuse to watch the nightly news. I know news. I know that's wrong. I was told in Bible college, you always should stay up with current events. You need to know where people are at and what's going on in the world so you can address those situations. I understand all that. Sometimes I just would rather not. Who got killed today? Who got shot today? Who got raped today? Who got burned down today? Who got sick today? No news is good news sometimes, isn't it? It's amazing. All of us try not to be, but we're pretty much negative by nature. So what we spread around seems to be the bad stuff more than the good. I wish that the phone would ring with people constantly saying, Hey, I just want to call and let you know. I'd love to hear all that good stuff, wouldn't you? But usually it's, hey, so-and-so's done this and this has happened to them. And this is a pray for so-and-so. And we say, yeah, we're going to do all that. But I'm telling you, after a while. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else like that? Sometimes you're like, man, I wish the phone wouldn't work. Someday, when God lives with us, there'll be no more bad news. And when someone says to you, did you hear about so-and-so? You're going to be like, no, but tell me, because it can't be anything but good. And everybody be running around with Christian gossip. The old bad gossip is gone. The new gossip is, did you hear about Kyle? Did you hear about how he got blessed? Did you hear about the crown that the Lord gave him to throw at his feet? Did you hear? No, tell me. I want to hear that. No more bad news. Just all good news. He said there'll be, secondly, no more death. I'm not complaining, but I'm just telling you due to the nature of what I do. There's only one other person in our church that goes to more funerals than I do. And that's the Bernas and the Georges because of running a funeral home. For most people, they may go to a funeral or two a year. For me, 
I'm going to tell you, it's so sad. Sometimes somebody will say something to me, how's old so-and-so? And I'll have to stop and think for a minute. And I'll say, well, I guess they're all right. And somebody else will say, no, they're not. They've been dead for five years. That's right. I preached their funeral along with 35 other ones that year. Wow. You say, I never thought about it like that. I don't know how many I went to last year. My lands. And to hear constant stories of war where thousands are killed and maimed and mentally damaged and rendered homeless and left destitute. Broken-hearted families left behind. Natural disasters of floods and earthquakes and tornadoes. Murder and plagues, disease, tragic situations where people die as a result. But the scripture said that someday there's coming a day where there'll be no more death. You will never go to another funeral. You're going to go to a bunch of them here the older you get. Because the statistics say that 99.99% of all the people born will die. It's a terrible statistic. Seems that everybody that lives is going to die. And the news just doesn't get any better. If you live long enough, you're going to die. Pastor's on a roll today. I'm going to tell you something though. There's coming a day. You'll never attend another funeral. You'll never even hear about death again. Nobody will talk about it. Nobody will think about it. You won't ever hear the news that, that, that a tsunami has hit over here, an earthquake's hit over there, a flood's over there, a tornado's over there. Here comes a volcano here. Here's a hurricane over there. You'll never hear it again, and nobody will ever die again. And he said there'll be no more suffering, no more children left behind to try to manage the harsh realities of life when their parents are gone. There'll be no more cancer, no more heart attacks, no more stroke, no more liver or kidney disease, no more chemotherapy, no more bone marrow transplant, no more lung disease, no more muscular dystrophy, no more blood disorders. There's no children's hospitals there. Did you know that? There's no babies laying in hospitals with tubes hanging all out of their bodies. The hardest funeral I guess I ever preached with was one where the, the, the casket looked like a sandwich box from Hardy's. It was about that long. The family was devastated because they had tried for, I think they were in their mid-30s and they'd been trying since they were in their 20s to have a baby. And finally they had a baby. Hmm. Be no more rehab centers, no more nursing homes, no more hospitals, no research facilities. Why? Because there's no suffering. There's no more crying. No more suicide hotlines and addiction rehab centers and interventions and no more loneliness and isolation. Nobody's crying there. Nobody's discouraged or depressed or angry or abused or, or betrayed or afraid ever again. Everything that caused you to cry here will be forever gone there. And you won't even have the memory of what made you cry here. 
People say, how am I going to deal with heaven when I get there? And, and I realize there's people there that, that are people in hell that didn't make it. How am I going to keep from being sad? You won't know. Anything that would cause you grief, anything that would cause you to cry, you won't know when you get there. Because there are no tears in heaven. There's no more pain. Not physically, emotionally, spiritually, or any other type. Pain is no longer existent. It's just gone. It just doesn't have any place in this new world. You won't ever have a sprained ankle. You won't ever have a sore muscle. You won't ever have a surgical star. You won't ever have a migraine headache. Somebody say amen. You don't ever have to worry about the, the pain of childbirth or kidney stones or broken bones or, or food poisoning or all those fun things that we deal with on this side. They're all gone when we get there. Pain has been defeated and it no longer exists. There's no more pain, period. I found myself again this week singing some of them old hymns. I don't know if y'all would remember them or not. I remember one that says, Someday, some happy day. You remember that one? From sin set free, I'll live with Christ for a someday, someday. You remember that one? And then I go right into, Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, we'll be joyously singing with heart bells all ringing. Won't it be wonderful there? Huh? Hallelujah. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his faith, the one who saved me by his grace, he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day. What a day that's going to be, huh? On the very day that I was working on this message, I'm not saying this to get to garnish your or glean your sympathy. I just want you to understand that I walk in the same road you walk in and it's, and you don't want to trade with me and I don't want to trade with you. We don't want each other's set of circumstances. But I'm just simply saying, on the very day I was working on this message, on that very day, my mama, who you many of you know, she's very sick. And unless the Lord touches her, she's not going to be here long. She was having a really bad day. She was really sick. Found out the same day that Dale Newberry's mama was doing really bad, had been put in the emergency room. And I found out my grandpa's wife, Virginia, had fallen and, and she was in, in the emergency room and headed for a, a, some type of a procedure there on her back. That was all on that day. Since that day, between then and now, I've come to find out that another family in our church has been in a car accident and been rolled and, and uh, praise the Lord that they're okay, but broken bones and suffering and, and, and not, and not just that. But then another one of our ladies ended up ha finding out that she wasn't going to be able to go home from the hospital. She had to be go to a nursing center. Then I found out last night that my uncle had shot himself and committed suicide. I'm telling you, it's been kind of one of them weeks. You ever have a week like that? Don't we all? Yeah, we do here. We do here. Because that is what this is about. It's about God trying to get you ready to get your mind focused so you'll focus on him and work for him and go live with him forever. And the devil trying to keep you from doing it with everything that he can. If he can kill you, steal you, if he can destroy you, whatever he can do to you to distract you, that's what his job is. But God says someday... I'll wipe away all the tears from your eyes. There'll be neither suffering nor death nor sorrow nor pain. 
For all of the former things are gone away and I've created a new, a new thing, a new home. I'm saying this today because I don't want you to yell calf rope yet. You're not going to have to. You're not pinned yet. Your father is still in control. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're facing. You're not going to be defeated. You're not going to be destroyed. You're going to come through this. We're holding on to someday and we're hanging on to no more. But I've got more for you than that. Because I can't just leave you with the hope of no more and someday. That's good, but it's not enough. I want you to remember something. Our father is a consuming fire who is fiercely jealous over his children. And anybody or anything that comes against them makes him mad. We may be dealing with some fiery darts on this side. But somebody's going to pay. And our father is telling us that he'll never leave us alone. Yes, we'll go through some of these things, but we'll never go through them by ourselves. And he tells us in his word that we're not just victors. We're more than victorious. And the promises of his word are, are what get us through. But don't allow yourself to start believing that it's over. You're in the very best place you could be right now. Right in the palm of the hand of your father. In the palm of his hand, the wind still blows and the lightning still flashes and the thunder still rolls in his palm. But at least you're in his hand. It still rains there. The wind still blows. But in this place... You're protected and you're safe. You said, no, I'm not. I'm still sick. I'm still hurting. People still dying. No, no, no. You are safe in the palm of his hand. Doesn't matter what happens to this earthly body. This is not what it's about. All of this is just 60, 70 years. The Bible says the good ones are promised 70 years. That's it. It's just 60, 70 years. What is that in light of all of eternity? You are safe overall forever going to be happy and enjoy and in peace with God. Here's where you're protected. The enemy's attacking. Life is happening all around you. The storms are raging. But in the palm of God, you'll be kept through it all. So we're not going to yell calf rope. No more worry. No more, no more defeatist attitude. No more trouble mind. God is doing away with all the trouble. It's going to be no more. So someday we're going to have glory and heaven and eternal life. Somebody say amen. Someday. But now let me tell you, right now in closing, today... Someday's good. No more's good. But today is what I need, don't you? Today is what I need to know. Today, God says you have victory. Today, God says he will give you his peace that passes all understanding. Today, God says his presence, the presence of the almighty God, will dwell in, on, and all around you. Today, you don't have to wait till someday. You don't have to wait till no more. I'm talking about today. God says, I am with you always. That means today. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I got a feeling that there's some folks in this room. 
that have felt the pressures within the last weeks, months, days have found yourself feeling pinned and defeated and to the point of just wanting to holler calf rope. Pastor, I just want to holler calf rope. I'm going to tell you something, folks. It won't do you no good. You might as well not holler because he won't let you up. Calf rope won't do it. You don't need calf rope. You need, you need someday and no more and today. That's what you need. How many of you would lift your hand and say, Pastor, I am I'm that person that right now I, I did I was so discouraged or so depressed, I didn't even I didn't even know if I could enter this place today. I, I'm so down, I'm so distressed, I'm so worried, I'm I'm hurting, I am so physically sick. I I, I am in that place. Uh, today I walked in here and I didn't even know how I was gonna do it. I want you to lift your hand. I didn't know how I was gonna get through another day. I came. I just came because I knew it was the right thing to do. I I came in hopes that I would sense His presence. I I just came that I was praying that He'd have a word for me. How many of you lift your hand and say, It's my word today. This is my word today. This is my word today. You could put them down. I want you to understand something if that's you and you've lifted your hand today. I understand that in the midst of all the joy and the celebration of people around you this morning, I understand what was in your heart. How you wished to worship and celebrate with them, but the brokenness and the heaviness is overwhelming. be honest with you a couple of days this week I cried until I couldn't get my breath come on pastor big old guy like you crying I had my sunglasses on driving down the road so nobody could see my face And I cried until I couldn't breathe. I'm not angry at God. I told him the other day, I said, God, I don't get it how that when bad things happen, people get mad at you. You're not the one that does this. You hate all this. Why don't we get mad at the devil? Why don't we blame him? He's the one that does all this. God, you hate it. You cry for us. You walk with us. Many years ago, the Lord gave me a message. Some of you might remember. It was about broken vessels. And how that people throw broken vessels away, but how that they're the ones that God chooses. Because broken vessels in a broken state, the more you try to fill them, they don't just overrun, but they leak everywhere. 
And the more you pour into them, the more flows out in every direction because of the brokenness of the vessel. And people will receive that, that overflowing, that pouring more so than if it was whole and just flowing from the top. God allows us to be broken so many times because of the effectiveness that we'll have in our lives with other people and how we'll relate. And as bad as you hurt, as broken as you are, as much as you are hurting, God hates that and He understands that, but He realizes it is for such such a temporary moment. Oh, it's for such a temporary moment. And one of these days, you're going to wake up. Dad told me one time, some of you remember back last November, December, January, I went for three months and some of y'all didn't know it, but I was so sick. I didn't know if I was going to live or not. And dad told Deb one day, he said, Deb, one day he's just going to wake up and be okay. And that's what's going to happen with us. One of these days, you're going to wake up and be okay. You say, what if it's not here? I don't care if it's not here. I don't expect it to be here. I'm going to serve him, trust him, love him, believe him, no matter what. Because I know what's coming someday. I know no more is on the way. And I know that today, there's victory. And that I'm going to overcome. I got a few more breaks. But I'm going to just let God pour through them on somebody else. So I'm saying this to every one of you that lifted your hand. Maybe some of you didn't because you just couldn't. I'm saying to you, I want you just right now. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I want you to stand to your feet and lift up both of those broken arms to God. Stand up. If that's your word today, just stand and lift up both of your hands. And tell God, have you told him? Have you been honest with him? God, I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm not going to get mad and quit on you. I'm not going somewhere else. There's nowhere else for me to go. I don't want anybody but you. I wish all this would end. But God, I'm going to hang on no matter what. I'm holding on to you. And now I pray, Holy Spirit, with these standing with their hands raised in this broken and contrite place, I pray right now, Lord, let your holy presence begin to rain down. You know what I'm talking about, God. I'm not just talking about a little drizzle. I'm asking right now, God, if you would just begin to dump out in buckets a deluge of your presence upon these people. Yes, I pray for healing. Yes, I pray for help. I pray for strength. I pray for this season in their life maybe to end. But God, maybe not. I don't want the good to end with the bad. I'm saying to you today, God, we're going to trust you no matter what. Just let your presence come down. I've learned, God, I've learned that in this state, in this time, in this moment, that if your presence comes alongside me, I can stay in the battle another day. I can fight another day. I can fight another day. God, let your presence begin. To rain down in this place. Just let it rain down. Rain down. Rain down. And it's okay if you're broken. It's okay if you're broken. Just let the Holy Spirit begin to minister to you right now wherever you're at. Just let Him begin to minister to you. You sense His presence. You feel that? You feel it coming down? You feel that rain coming down? Some of these folks around may think we're crazy, but I'm telling you, their day is going to come when they're going to need the same rain. Just, Holy Spirit, just continue to let it rain down in this place. I'm going to get real specific now. Are you ready? We're going to get real? Are we going to be honest? 
I'm going to get real specific and I'm going to tell you something. It is in moments like these. It is in these kind of moments of brokenness. That many times your flesh wins out over your spirit. What do you mean, pastor? I want you to hear me now. We've talked about the thorns in the flesh over the last several weeks. It's in moments like these of people who love Jesus that when they go through terrible times like these, they resort back to things from their former life. Sometimes they end up back in the bottle. They end back in drugs. They end back in pornography. There's different things that can happen because what you're seeking is a release from this. You're, you love Jesus, but you just think you can't take it no more. And so you start going someplace that you used to go, hoping that you'll find what used to take away the pain. I'm telling you, there are people in this room right now that I'm specifically speaking to. You have been in this broken place and you have gone back to those things and now you feel unworthy on top of everything else. You can't even hardly stand and lift your hands because you're like, well, I got sin in my life. I mean, how's God going to speak? I'm the, I'm, ba- I'm the bad guy. I'm telling you, it was the enemy that came against you. God still loves you. You're still going to come through this. You're going to be victorious. He forgives you if you repent. He forgives you if you care. And you're going to move on. You're going to move on from this. But don't let the devil defeat you today. Don't let him tell you just because you were in a moment. You were in a moment then you slipped and you fell and you said something you shouldn't have said. You did something you shouldn't have done. Don't let the devil tell you now that it's too late. You deserve to be broken. You deserve to be hurt. You deserve to suffer. No, you don't. The devil just hates you. He just hates you. He's always going to put in front of you, dangle in front of you, the weakness in the weak time. He's always... But Jesus said, the Word said, God said, the Father said in His Word, through His prophets and His writers, that His strength is made perfect when? When you're strongest. No. In your weakness... In your weakness, He shows His strength. Oh, God. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Fill this place. Rain down right now. Holy Spirit, rain down on this place. God, we are repentant. We're sorry. We're broken. We're contrite. We don't mean to hurt you. We love you with all of our heart. Forgive us for our anger. Forgive us for our rebellion. Forgive us, Lord, for speaking words that we should not have spoken. You know our heart, God. And we're broken. We're broken. We're broken. Wait before the Lord.